called 24 Disciple, and I've been taking stories about the disciples. And so I was preparing a, a, one of those sermons again in preparation about the life of one of the disciples. And there's this great conversation that happens in Matthew 14. But as I started preparing this message, I realized there was something else I wanted to give to you that, I'm, that I found in the first two verses. So forgive me that these two verses have nothing to do with the, the disciples. We're going to pick up this story and what the, this conversation the disciples had with Jesus next week. But I had to pause with these two verses and share something that was on my heart. So in Matthew chapter 14, we'll read in verse 13 and verse 14. This sets up the story, but like I said, we'll dive into the story next week. But verse 13 says, When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. We're learning this, and I hopefully your your mind's being trained when you're reading the Bible to ask questions, pause, think about things. So obviously, when I read that first verse and it said, "When Jesus heard what had happened, I had to go back and remind myself what had happened because I was just picking these stories of the disciples, and I was picking that story, and I'm like, oh well, let me see what happened. And what happened was very difficult. What took place? Is something that you wouldn't wish, and I pray you would never wish on your worst enemy. What happened to Jesus is he heard the tragic news of his cousin being brutally killed. What happened was that there was a birthday celebration for King Herod. He was in charge of all the Israelites in that area, and he was celebrating his life, and so he invited friends, and they were having a good time. Everybody was having a good time, and then obviously there was a young lady that decided, let's keep having a good time, and I'm going to show off my dance moves, and she did such a great job at dancing that Herod said, ask for anything you want, and I'll give it to you even up to half my kingdom. And sure enough, this girl asked her mother, Mother, what should I ask for? And this mother was irritated with John the Baptist, and so she said, Ask for John the Baptist's head on a platter. And in this middle of this celebration, when they're celebrating life and they're celebrating this, this king and they're partying and they're drinking and they're eating and everybody's having a good time, they give out the order to behead John the Baptist. And they bring his head on a platter into the midst of this party, in the midst of this celebration. And it was that news, it was that information that came to Jesus. It was that picture, it was that emotion, it was those details. Again, we can just read these stories because we just read and we've read them all our life. But you've got to stop and think because Jesus said, We've got to go. I've got to go. I've got to go somewhere. Now, Jesus is God. He was God in this story. He didn't pause from being God to come to this earth. Jesus was God. But we have to remember, he submersed himself in human 
less. So think about this, and I know this is raw, and this can be painful, but this should give great insight into our Savior. If you've ever dealt with tragedy of that nature, where something unexpectedly happened to somebody you love and somebody you care for, something tragic, something horrific, something unexpected. And I know those feelings are so raw and so painful, but I want you to know, and if it never happened to you, you are human enough to understand it's not easy. You are human enough to understand, I wouldn't want that for anybody. And that's exactly what Jesus was feeling in that moment. Do you understand that? Jesus felt all of that pain, all of that trauma, all of that agony, all of that, you know, reflection of life and what just happened. And he says to his disciples, I've got to go. Jesus, who made the heavens and the earth by his great power, when he finds out about his tragedy, says, I've got to go. Jesus, who healed people, who calmed the storms, who calmed the waves. Jesus, who was going to, we're going to read about feeding the 5,000, who defeated Satan himself. This Jesus says, I've got to go. If you've ever had pain in your life, if you've ever had trauma in your life, I want you to know Jesus knows the pain. He knows it. So why would you go to anybody else but Jesus? Jesus, he knows it all. He, he's been through it all. Everything you have faced, he has faced it. Jesus loves you and he cares for you and he wants you to come to him. So if Jesus needs to withdraw from the difficulties of life, do you think you need to? Do you think I need to? Yes. The answer is yes. We need to, there's times in our life we need to withdraw. And let me bring it down a couple of notches now because it doesn't, it shouldn't just be a tragedy in life that causes us to withdraw to spend time with God. Sometimes it's just a bad day. Sometimes it's just a negative conversation that you've had with somebody. Sometimes there's just things in life, it's sickness. Life isn't going your way. The tax bill comes in. You name it, your boss gives you another assignment. There could just be so many things in life that drain us. And I need to encourage you, you need to learn to withdraw. Now, before I get too far into this message, let me just clarify what I mean by withdrawing. My main point of us withdrawing is to go into God's presence. I've already shared with you, Jesus has been through every pain that you've ever felt emotionally, physically, and intellectually, spiritually. He has felt it. He knows. He knows how to respond to you. He knows what you need to hear. He knows how to love you. He knows how to care for you. And the withdrawing that we need to learn is into God's presence. And this is a message I don't think I know I'm never going to get away from. And I'm going to continue to speak it into your life. And that's the message I've been sharing from the very beginning. You need the daily habit of reading God's Word and praying. That is how you withdraw from life. Now, I'll pause for a moment and say, yes, I am a firm believer in vacations. 
I'm a firm believer in going for a hike. I'm a firm believer in going fishing. I'm a, I was going to say I'm a firm believer in manicures and pedicures, but you're going to think, well, does he get those? Well, to answer your question, I did one time before I was married, and I had a sister-in-law that did that, and she did my cuticles. My wife used to do my cuticles. She no longer does my cuticles, so they are what they are. I believe in pedicures and manicures. and Yes, I believe in all of those things, and I hope you allow yourself. If you're that type of person that never takes a break from work, stop it. Take a break from work. Go have fun. But the greatest fun you can have, the most enjoyable time you will ever have, guaranteed, bar none, is in God's presence. Because what God does is He blesses you so that you are walking in blessings and so that your fun is fun. Now, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be in Orlando, Florida, because that's where our general counsel is at. And yes, I am going to take opportunity to take Alexander to Disney World. Now, this is what I know when I walk into a park like Disney World. They call it the happiest place on the planet, but you walk around long enough, you begin to think, is this really? This doesn't look too happy. My wife is like, I don't know about this because we've never really gone in August in humidity where it's blazing hot and you're in line. We've always gone in October this last time last year because my parents had a timeshare down there. We went in January and it was wonderful. She's like, I'm not getting excited. Can I tell you, you can plan out the funnest vacation, but if you're not spending time with God, you're going to come back from your vacation empty. It's like protein, and I know I, I better be careful here. But you know, sometimes I want to eat protein so that I can enjoy the sugar. Because when I got the protein, the sugar just sometimes just feels better. But when I just eat sugar, I understand, boy, man, that's just ew, that's too much sugar. All right, forget that example. Just know that you need God in your life to enjoy life. Do you believe that? Am I talking crazy? Am I saying something that's just, you are nuts. I can't believe I walked into this room. You're telling me only with God I can enjoy life? Yes. I'm telling you that. Do you believe it? Do you live it? Do you walk it? I know you believe me, but now are you living it? Are you spending time every day reading the Word of God and praying? Because when you're doing those things, then I know you believe it. I've shared a thousand times, you know, instances in my life where I'm like, okay, let's go. We're going to go do something. We'll pray later because I'm on vacation. And that was, that was the old me. Now I know if I'm really going to enjoy time, I need to spend time with God first. But somehow he gives me patience when it's 90 degrees in humidity and I'm sweating bullets. Somehow, somehow with God, I'm still smiling. I'm not getting agitated. I'm not getting angry. I'm not pushing and saying, let's go, come on, the next ride, hurry, hurry, hurry. Tara's writing this down right now because she's going to remind me, in August, you said you weren't going to get, you know, pushy for the next ride. But I always have a plan. Chop, 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 chop. God will always help you to have more fun. You need to know that life is going to hit you. Life is not going to be easy. It's going to drain you. 
And even if life is going good for you, life was going good for David, King David in the Old Testament. He was victorious. He had an undefeated streak like no other. And yet he prayed. You think you need to pray? Are you stronger than David? I know I'm not. I need to pray. I need God's word in my life. Even victory after victory. And because it's in those moments, and it was in one of those moments that David heard God speaking to him through the prophet, and the prophet says, I know you want to do something good, but I don't want you to do it. There's so much in life that we should not be doing, that we should be doing, and God knows God knows it. You think you know. I think I know. But that's when I spend time with God, when I withdraw myself. And he says, Sid, I don't want you to do that. I know that's a good thing. I don't want you to do that good thing right now. This is what I want you to do. Oh, okay, God, thank you. And he helps me, and he guides me, and he directs me. And ultimately, I know this, that God is my source of strength. He is my source of joy. He is my source of peace. He is. He's, he's my peace and my strength. Yesterday, we were with Terry Borders, and, and we were doing some homes. And this one particular home, uh, this gentleman has kidney failure. And he's laying on his bed. And he's dying. There's people outside working. You guys got to come join me. You got to come join me. You got one more opportunity, August 10th. Put it on your calendar. Make it a priority. You want to have joy in your life? Come serve somebody who's in need. Come serve somebody who's on their deathbed. Stop what you're doing and come serve somebody who really needs help. You'll get joy. But I share that to share. There were these two guys that were working on this hose ticket. And there was leakage. Because something wasn't right, and I'm assuming it got fixed. Did it get fixed there? See, Terry got fixed. You work with Terry Borders, it gets done. There, was, there, there wasn't a right connection. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care what you've done in the past and how, how many things, great things you've done. You still need God because all it takes is just a little tweak and the water starts going out. And next thing you know it, you're going to be empty. You're going to be broken. You're going to be frustrated. But I want my connection to be perfect. I want to be perfectly connected to Jesus because I am an imperfect person and I want him to help me. And I want him to allow me to be joyful, to be helpful, to be kind to be patient. He is my source of strength. And I've learned in life that we don't take time to withdraw. And when we don't do that, that causes problems. That causes issues. We've got to learn to do this. Now let me, this is what I, this is kind of the main point of what I wanted to share with you. We need to learn to withdraw and check our gauges. We need to do this. And that's what reading your Bible and praying is all about. When I open my Bible, when I... Oh, go ahead, Luke. You can put the gauges up there. We'll, we'll, I might have a verse in there. No, I'm, I'm... Hang on, Luke. I've got a good verse I'll share just in a moment. But we've got to learn to gauge our life. We need to learn that we've got to take time to look at our gauges. You need to stop and say, what are my, what have I, how have I been acting? Have you ever done that? Because when I read my Bible and pray, 
you know what happens? God shines a light, and I start thinking about how I've been acting, how I've been talking. How's your conversations? Are you lifting people up? Or is there somehow you may be bringing people down? You've got to ask yourself these questions. What are my what, what are my emotions? What are your emotions right now? Are you happy? Are you sad? Are you frustrated? Are you bitter? Are you jealous? I remember sharing this story about my mother, and my dad one day was checking her gauges. Because during their prayer time, my mother was not praying for her father, because my grandfather was a drunk. He was abusive. But my dad was checking my mom's gauges, and he noticed that her forgiveness gauge was low. And he challenged her one day and says, why don't you pray for your father? And she received that, and she began to pray for her father. So that years later, in 2005, I had a relationship with my grandfather. And in that relationship, I prayed the sinner's prayer with him. And I know God forgave him of all of his sins. And he is with my grandmother in heaven. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Because my dad took time to check the gauges. Are you bitter? Are you jealous? Are you envious? You've got to take time and think about that. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. God, why did I act like that? Why was I sarcastic? Why did I say what I just said? Is it a lack of faith? Did I say that to that person? And, and I know I was joking with them, but I really meant something by it. I'm constantly checking my mind and my words. Why am I saying that? And I am not perfect. And thank you for being patient with me. And I'm going to be patient with you. But we need to stop sometimes and say, how am I acting? Am I in the faith? And Samson here is one of the prime examples of this. Samson, you know his story. You know his life. Samson was like David. He had an undefeated streak like no other. He had victory after victory. Miracle after miracle. The Spirit of God was on Samson. And he was winning the battles for God and his kingdom. He didn't have time to check the gauges. I didn't have time to do that. Go ahead, Luke, put him up there. I, he didn't have time to say, okay, okay, guys, I'm done taking out 2,000 guys with a donkey's jawbone. I've got to go check the gauges. Hey, guys, I'm ser- I, I, I got to take a little bit of break. I just got done carrying city gates. No, 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 no. Samson said, I don't got time for gauges. Gauges? I got time for that. I'm going 300 miles per hour. Nobody can catch me. Nobody can stop me, but had Samson taken the time to stop and say, oh boy, because, oh, this gauge is low. I was, I was wanting to marry a non-Israelite. I was wanting to marry a Philistine, and that, that's a disobedience. My, my, diso, my obedience gauge is low. 
If he would have taken the time and, and thought to himself, okay, I'm a Nazarite, and yesterday I just touched a dead lion. Oh, my, my, my commitment levels, they're kind of low. And it was these little things that Samson kept ignoring. He didn't take the time to look at the gauges, and he ignored that. And you know what? He kept winning. And he ignored that, and he kept winning. He kept doing God's work, but he kept ignoring the gauges until one day when he, he was empty on obedience and he told Delilah what needed to be done to break his vow with God and she cut his hair. And he stood up to fight off the enemy and the Bible makes this statement that Samson did not realize God had left him. Samson didn't realize he was on empty. Samson didn't realize he was low. Samson didn't take time to come over here. He was too strong. He was too smart. He was too cool to say, guys, I've got to go check the gauges. I've got to read my Bible. I've got to pray. I've got to seek the Lord. Jesus knew in that moment of pain and great sorrow, he needed to teach his disciples that when you suffer and when you hear this tragedy happen, you've got to stop and you've got to look at the gauges. Lord, what's going on in my life? What's going on in my heart? What's, what's taking my energy? What's giving me energy? Help me, Lord. And I love this church because it's filled with a lot of smart people, a lot of good people. But use your wisdom today to accept what I'm telling you. You need to check the gauges. Solomon was the wisest man on earth, and what did he do? He ignored the gauges. The wisest man. The wisest man on earth was too smart to look at the gauges, and he lost his kingdom. It was cut, and it was only given one little piece to his son. You, do you have time to check the gauges? You can't afford not to check the gauges. And I want to share with you this morning that one of the best ways of doing this, and when you begin to do that, we're going to recognize there's things that we need to do in our life, and there's things that we need to fix. And I want to give you the good news that God is with you. Hebrews 4.16 says, that we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I hope you realize you need God. If by chance, now this is what happens, you probably won't think you don't need God, but if you haven't been praying and you, you've been weeks without praying, you've gone a whole month without reading your Bible, what you're saying is, oh, I don't need God. I got this. Look at my business. Look at my home. Look at my life. I, I'm fine. And you may make it into heaven. I'm not questioning that. What I'm wondering is, is are you helping people? Are you truly helping yourself? Do you really recognize your need for God? And when you read the book of Hebrews, the New Testament church, they knew they needed God. They were being dragged out of their homes. 
Their, their furniture was being tossed everywhere. They knew they needed God in their life. You didn't have to preach the sermon to them because they weren't sitting in comfortable chairs with air conditioning. Most of them were in hiding because they were being persecuted. And so there was no AC. There was no comfort. They knew they needed God. And can I tell you, I'm preaching to myself this morning that says, I need God. Do you know you need God? Do you know it? Do you believe it? Do you live it? I want you to live it. And I want you to believe it. You're smart enough. One more thought behind this is uh, accountability is something else I, I talk about. When we look at the gauges, we have learned in life, we're really good at deceiving ourselves. Because you can begin to look at the gauges and you can say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I don't need to change that. I, I don't really need to change this. I'm fine over here. No, 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 no. You need a, an accountability in your life. And that's why I'm encouraging you this Wednesday to come for prayer. Because during the summer, this is our time as a church, as a whole, to come together, to be accountable with each other. Do you know what I want here? I know some of you are asking, what do you want for your birthday? I can see it in your eyes. My birthday is this Wednesday. Do you know what I want for my birthday? And that was joking, but this is now serious. I want and a church that's filled with accountability. Honestly, and I mean that sincerely, there would make me nothing more happier than walking to a church that we're accountable. Every one of us, that we can talk to anybody. We can pray with anybody. You can be different ages from different situations. You cannot uh, like somebody. I'm still going to talk to you. I'm still going to pray with you because we're accountable to each other. Because once we get accountability with each other, then we can challenge each other. And once we start challenging each other, then we're going to be like that kid with Down syndrome who was overweight, but he started working hard and hard, and then he ran an Ironman triathlon. I can't do that. You can start doing the impossible for God when we start challenging each other and we start encouraging each other. We can start doing the impossible. You can start seeing changes in our life and it all begins with accountability in our life. So come on Wednesday. I love Psalm 139 verse 23 the, the psalmist declares, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. One of the great uh, byproducts of accountability is understanding your thoughts. Now, the thought, your thought life, that's the, that's the most important gauge that you can look at is your thought life. What are you thinking? Because whatever you're thinking is going to lead to your actions and it's going to lead to your words. So if you walk into, if you hang out with your family today, and that family member, you guys are hanging out, and that family member walks in the room, and you start thinking, oh, here they come again. You have to hear their sad stories. You're going to have to You've already lost the battle thinking that way. Instead, when they walk into the room, and you think to yourself, okay, God, would you give me something to encourage them? Help me, Lord, because they're going to walk into this room and they're going to they're going to be a DC. That's what me and Terry used to call a dark cloud. We're giving you our code words away now. Now we can't use that in the church. Terry, here comes the DC. Hey, how you doing? Oh, we wouldn't do that. A dark cloud's coming in the room. You know them. They're at work. 
They're at the store. They're, they could be in your family. They could, they're around. It's a dark cloud. And you see them and you start thinking, oh, here comes the dark cloud. They're just, they're just a taker. They're just going to come in and take, take, take. And you start thinking these things. And guess what? Guess how you're going to act towards them? You're going to not be kind. You're going to be impatient. You're going to be judgmental. You're not going to have anything really nice to say. It's usually going to be sarcastic, like, how's your day? You know, so it's all about the mind. It's about your thoughts. And that's one of the most important gauges. And the best way of accomplishing that is having an accountability partner to say, this is what I've been thinking. Would you help me? Is this a good thought? Is this a bad thought? Come on Wednesday. So we can talk about your thoughts. When we start looking at our gauges, and we start looking at our thoughts, and we start thinking about our words, and we start thinking about our actions, when we start withdrawing ourselves to spend time with God, we're able to do things beyond our ability. Did you remember that verse? Jesus, he's on his way to withdraw. And I believe in this boat, he's beginning to withdraw, he's beginning the process. I believe the boat ride, he's spending time with God, he's, he's, he's saying, Lord, I can't believe this, help me, you are my Father in heaven, come upon me, I need you, Lord. And in verse 14, what did it say? When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. When you're having a bad day, you want to you wanna keep serving. How many of you on a bad day want to keep helping people? How many of you are ready to say, this has been a bad day, God, use me. I'm ready to help someone. It's a rainy day. Lord, help me to be, help me to be the sunshine in somebody's life. When you're checking those gauges, when you're withdrawing to spend time with God, you will then be empowered. To bring healing to people's lives. I'm going to invite the band to come up. You'll be empowered. I hope this morning you want to do more for God's glory. I hope for God's glory you want to be a better person. I hope you want to talk better. I hope you want to act better. I hope you want to be a better husband. Women, you want to be a better wife. Children, you want to be a better child. I want to be a better parent. I want to be a better pastor. I want to be a better husband. And I know I can be a better person with God's help in my life. So I'm going to withdraw myself. I'm going to spend time with God. I'm going to say, Lord, help me. I had a good week. I don't think I hurt anybody, but, but Lord, help me. Is there, is there a little leak in, my, in the hose? Is the washer broke? But sometimes it's not the big things. It's that little washer. It's that little washer that's not helping the connection. And you need a new little washer. Not a big deal. But if you let that little washer go long enough, soon enough, that hose will break. Not worried about anybody in here walking out and committing a crime. But if you don't pay attention to those little things in your life, that may not be far from you. As you stand this morning, I want us to receive more of God's presence. I want us in our mind to withdraw. I want us to withdraw and come to the Lord and say, Lord, check these gauges. Check these gauges. Check my heart. Holy Spirit, I pray, even those online, 
that they would begin to allow you to check the gauges, check the thought lights. God, are we, are we just rushing to get out of here to get on to our lunch? Or are we saying, oh, yes, Jesus, no, 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 I can't wait for lunch, but first check the gauges. Check my heart. Check my mind. Check my priorities. What's the most important thing in my day? How can I really help my family today? How can I be the best business owner? How can I be the best father? Oh, that's right, in your presence. How can I go through tragedy and still heal people? It's when I withdraw. How can I take the news of a death of my cousin as Jesus did and then go on a boat ride and at the end of the boat ride, heal somebody. It's in your presence that I find that strength, that I find your spirit. God, speak to us. Speak to us, Lord.